0: Hey everyone, before we get started this week, just a quick request for you to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Please do it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And
1: I am Madeline.
0: And we're Dragon Babies. Dragon Babies. We reread our favorite YA fantasy classics and discuss why they're maybe even better for adults. This week, Coraline by Neil Gaiman. Yeah. Woo! Very excited try to, try to talk to about the this. theme music
1: for the movie. But that's <laughs> oh we're talking about the book, and the that's why I stopped myself.
0: Um uh, So, yeah, curious to all of you out there um, for you to let us know what experience you have with the book versus the movie, Mm -hmm. because I think this is one where the movie is probably better known, although we're not quite on par with NeverEnding Story, where I think so many people don't realize that the movie is based on a novel. Yeah,
1: because I think it's more and I think they also um, attribute it more strongly to Neil Gaiman. And I think it's much closer of a story. like Mm -hmm. I think it's more faithful to Neil Gaiman's book than like Never Ending Story is to the book. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It goes way off script.
0: Give a firm (laughs) thumbs up to that. Yeah. Um, Anyone who's interested, uh, feel free to check out our Never Ending Story book episode followed by our Never Ending Story media (laughs) episode.
1: (laughs) It's a fun combo.
0: But today we're talking about Coraline. This episode was a listener request. Thank you so much, Isabel, for writing in and mentioning that you'd love to hear us talk about Coraline. We
1: love listener requests.
0: So as I said, we cover our favorite YA fantasy classics. This is a little bit more of a children's book than like strictly YA, but I'd also argue that I think it's
1: a really spooky
0: book though. It's, it's very scary. This might be the only horror that we've covered. I yeah. mean, I don't know if anyone I think that would folk it gets horror, a little horror. Folkkeeper is really scary. A little Little hoary (laughs) and um, Sabriel as well. Oh, very true, very true, very frightening, very scary. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more later about why adults should read this book and what they get out of it versus what I think is something very different that children get out of it when they read it. Mm. Um, we did both read this book as kids. Did you okay? Never read it, I did. Um, saw the movie, never read it. Today, uh, for our marketing breakdown, we have a lovely Seattle Public Library copy of Coraline, but it is the same edition that we owned when we were young. Our marketing breakdown, we have a, an eerie, hyper-stylized painting of Coraline holding a candle I think the covers through really cool, a murky darkness with shadowy hands reaching out, um, and they're also embossed on the cover. I believe that Dave McKean, the author who did the illustrations inside the book, also did the cover. And I really, really like his style. He's illustrated um, Neil Gaiman's book, The Graveyard Book, as well.
1: Oh, um, that's where I've seen it. I love that book, too. It's really yeah,
0: book. an amazing, amazing yeah. book. Um, and the illustrations and the cover are both really incredible, very eerie, um, but evocative and... I love the way her eyes are drawn because eyes are such an important component of both humans and not so humans in Mm -hmm. this book. Um, And when you first look at her, I mean, when I was young and I would read this, I'd often be like, is she supposed to have like her button eyes in this image? Looking. We've got a little read it before you see it now, a major motion picture <laughs> sticker. Which I mean, I firmly believe that no one should be allowed to see any adaptation of a book unless they can write a basic book report that they submit to the oh theater. My God, I don't <laughs>
1: want to live in Grace's world <gasps>
0: <laughs> prior to purchasing the ticket. It doesn't need to be long, just like a few paragraphs at most, just explain the. Rising action, the conflict, and the conclusion. Okay, back of the book. We do not have a summary. We have a couple lengthy excerpts from reviews. Not since four English school children walked through a wardrobe and discovered the magical land of Narnia has the simple act of opening a door unlocked such a fantastic journey. And not since Alice tumbled down the rabbit hole has that journey been so splendidly strange and frightening. shout-outs. You don't have to be a kid to appreciate the spell Gaiman casts in the suspenseful Coraline. Walk through the door, and you'll believe in love, magic, and the power of good over evil. That's from USA Today. Oh,
1: okay. I was (laughs) going to be like, his publisher really went for broke on the back of this.
0: Yeah, and I mean, this book is not only compelling just from like a basic plot description that you might read when you're thinking about reading it, but it's also short, so it's Mm -hmm. very accessible. So yeah, I I don't think you need to hit people over the head with like Narnia, Alice in Wonderland, every other famous alternate reality that's like linked to ours through a single portal. The other passage is from Lemony Snicket, who actually has a connection to this book because he That is his pseudonym for Daniel Handler, who is a former member of the Magnetic Fields, which is led by Stephen Merritt, who also created the group, the Gothic Archies, and who did all the music for the Coraline audiobook read by Neil Gaiman. So all the like, did you follow that? Yeah. (laughs) If you arrived at the end of that statement, you should be my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Please get in touch. This book tells a fascinating and disturbing story that frightened me nearly to death. Unless you want to find yourself hiding under your bed with your thumb in your mouth, trembling with fear, and making terrible noises, I suggest that you step very slowly away from this book and go find another source of amusement, such as investigating an unsolved crime or making a small animal out of yarn. Oh,
1: that sounds
0: fun. That's what you should be doing (laughs) with
1: that crook. Lemony Snicket says... Go felt. <laughs> go felt
0: i got madeline a crochet kit last year for your birthday that i, I birthday. don't think any animals have been created
1: yet. i made like a quarter of a potholder
0: <laughs> but when till i see those other three quarters wowie so i'm you know i'm always down with um review excerpts yeah. on the backs of books because yeah, it doesn't spoil the book yeah we we always have problems with plot summaries that go too far or try to be too sensational or too sexy um and you know at this point this is this is a very well-known book um this is probably one of the the bigger works that we've mm-hmm. covered yeah. um so i can understand them just going for broke a little usa today and let snicket. it and Lemony Snicket himself is so massively popular. Right,
1: he has a lot of name recognition.
0: And it makes sense to apply his, um, you know, persona to mm-hmm. this book because yeah. they're similar in a lot of ways. Yeah. Children encountering a world that they, you know, that you'd think they're not ready for based on their age mm-hmm. and dealing with terrible parents. Yeah. Would you like to tell us, what this book is about, Madeline. And for anyone who's new to the podcast, we do thoroughly spoil every book we cover. So if you somehow don't know the plot of Coraline, go read the book first.
1: Away with ye. Away. Oh, okay. In this book, Coraline and her parents, she's an only child, uh, as far as we know, moved to a new place. Um, it's like a townhome duplex. Uh, and uh, one day she's talking with her mother and they open this door in their home, and there's just a brick wall in it. And her mom says, oh, that's because they bricked it up when they made it into a duplex. Coraline is really bored. Her parents won't hang out with her, and they're kind of lame and <laughs> not really interested in her. Um, but, you know, they do all love each other. She is their daughter. Um, and she's also not, I don't know, she's a kid, so you can forgive every, like, annoying thing that she does. Her parents are just ignoring... Like, you can't be like, oh, yeah, she was being annoying anyways. It's fine that, they were <laughs> that her parents neglect her. her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so she...
0: She is definitely one of those kids who can't... I don't know. It's hard because she's not particularly adept at coming up with her own uh, entertainment. She's not great at
1: entertaining herself. No.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she's very imaginative at the same time. True. Yeah, she
1: just needs a friend.
0: Yeah. yeah. She's, you know, in a lot of ways, like a very normal kid. And I think that's impressive Mm -hmm. because she's written in a really fleshed out way. Yeah,
1: no, definitely. Um, So in her uh, stumblings around, she discovers that there is actually stuff behind that bricked up door. Um, But uh, she discovers it alone uh, when she does. And there turns out to be different versions of well, it seems like it's different versions of the things in her world, except everyone has buttons for eyes. Um, and uh, even at the beginning, you can kind of tell that the uh, quote-unquote other mother, which is looks like her mother, at least at first to Coraline, um, is kind of running things. Um, and Coraline finds out, with the help of an animal companion, who is a black cat, um, that the other mother is actually trying to ensnare her and feed off of her. Um, it, she, uh, runs into the other children that the other mother has done this to. And then the world just kind of starts falling apart. Like mm-hmm. it becomes more and more evident that the other mother's not putting work into it anymore because like, I mean, Coraline knows it's a scam. Yeah. So she's not like trying to keep the other world beautiful anymore. Yeah. And then stuff gets really frightening because Coraline's just kind of stumbling around in this world. Um, looking for the souls of the uh, children so that she can save them and also looking for her parents who at this point have been uh, snatched by the other mother as well. Yeah, they've disappeared from the real world. Mm-hmm, yeah, um, and just things are falling apart in a really grotesque way um in the other world. Like the other father scared me a lot when she found him.
0: It's nasty. He
1: turns it. Yeah.
0: There's a lot of body horror. Yeah. Um yeah. with both other mother and other father. And then also with the um actresses. Um oh, with them yeah. zipping out of their
1: skins yeah, and no, things that like that. Done. Yeah. It's alarming. Yeah. Um, so And
0: dogs eat chocolate, which we all know is just appalling. <laughs> it's not, appalling. Well. It's it's
1: not good for the dogs. Poop splattered all over the walls. <laughs> you can take that out.
0: Um uh, clearly we have first hand
1: experience <laughs> with this. this horrified silence. Um uh, so, yes, Coraline does manage to get the souls of the children and her parents. Um, she actually enlists her cat friend by hurling it at the other mother's cat face. Cat as a weapon. Yeah, in order to escape, which is funny because that's what my mom always used to say. Like, it's okay if someone breaks in. That's why I take a cat downstairs with me because I just <laughs> throw them in them. And they they would take a few moments to get past that. Oh, yeah. Surprising. Uh, um. And then back in her world, it kind of seems like everything is fine. But there's um, one loose end to tie up, which is she has to get rid of the other mother's like ability to come into like the real world is kind of how I felt that was because well, just her arm is like crawling around well I think
0: what happened is that when she was getting out through the door oh, she, she shut the door on, the door on oh, her arm okay and cut off her hand because okay Coraline says that she feels something hit her as yeah. she's managing to finally pull the door
1: closed and, and something the was pulling to on the door yeah. so that was okay that makes sense uh
0: and and it, the cat also says earlier like she is lying to you because she swore on her trick right hand or something like that. Oh. Um, so the There's scuttling really cool- creature that was at the beginning of the book before she had gone through right. was already the hand kind of spying on her okay. and trying to lure her in.
1: There's some really cool prose in this book.
0: It's so well written. Yeah,
1: Neil Gaiman is an amazing He's, writer. Yeah, masterful yeah. writer. Yeah. Um. So then Coraline, in order to get rid of the hand, she has a tea party uh, with her dolls. And she actually admits, I think she tells this to her mother, but her mother, because her mother and father are back afterwards. Her mother wasn't really listening. She was like, oh, I don't know that you still played with your dolls. And Coraline says, no, they're actually like a distracting front.
0: Right. She refers to the science program like the nature documentary that she had been watching yeah um oh. and she uses the term for she refers to protective coloration ah okay yeah she says the dolls are protective. I love. yeah see i couldn't I don't play with dolls because it was, cause cause it was so perfect
1: coloration. yeah um yeah and then uh, she uh, uses that protective coloration to trick the other mother's hand and she Throws it down a very deep well. She counts to 40 before Mm -hmm. she hears it hit the bottom. So that well is terrifyingly deep. And it makes me
0: think that it's like possibly other children have fallen down it before because every adult warns her about it at some Uh point who has some kind of experience with the area, with the house. Yeah, well, the
1: hand's not getting back up out of there, so... The end.
0: (laughs) Yay. A (laughs) happy ending. Coraline goes back to school and is like, you know, I'm usually stressed for the start of a school year, but I'm
1: not afraid anymore.
0: I'm not afraid of anything. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so awesome. Mm. Okay. So before we enter into the discussion in earnest, I think there's a lot that's fascinating about the making of this book. Mm. Um, Neil Gaiman, very prolific author. Um yeah. he has a pretty incredible output. He's also written co-written a book with Terry Pratchett yeah. called Good Omens, which is incredible. Definitely recommend it. Um, but this was his first book for young readers. Oh okay. um, and it actually took him um a very long time to write. Um I
1: mean you can really tell that it's a very uh carefully sculpted mm-hmm. piece.
0: Yeah, he said, um, I found an interview with with him in which he said, it's the shortest book he's ever written, but also the lo- one that took the longest to write. I think I averaged about 2,000 words a year. I started it in 1990 or 1991 for my little daughter, Holly, and finished it for my daughter, Maddie, and it was published in 2002. Um, and he said he would just stop writing when he didn't know what was going to happen next. And <laughs> sometimes that would be years before he knew boy he was ready to continue. And, you know, sometimes it would be the next day, but it was clearly something that he birthed, you know? Um, And I think a lot of the passages really feel like poetry to me, where it's so spare. There's nothing, there's no word that's unnecessary. Mm, Um, It's very tight. Yeah. And Very I love written. that. Yeah. And I think it makes it so much more frightening too. Mm. Yeah. Um, and while I, I, I think it's interesting that the USA Today <laughs> blurb compares it to, well, compares the, the other world to Narnia and to the world through the looking glass because verb- that's really inaccurate um, because those are and, yeah. fully formed worlds that uh-huh. a human just crosses over into. And this is just a tightly contained trap it's that Coraline true. is pulled into, and it's when she true, tries to get yeah. outside of her immediate surrounding of the other mother's house it's and the yard, just comes
1: back around there's in a circle. There. Yeah, it's empty. Yeah, this it's a very emptiness.
0: good point. It's just like a little drawing in on a big blank piece of paper.
1: Those authors are also like really flourishy and verbose, so it's <laughs> also another weird comparison. and writing much longer ago too. Uh, yeah, 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 no, totally. Like, that was... I'm not saying it's weird for them to be that way. That was, like... Yeah. yeah.
0: They wrote... And styles informed by the era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, you know, C.S. Lewis and Lewis Carroll, not that we're discounting them as authors, obviously they created incredible worlds. But I think it's so cool that this, this isn't a whole separate world. Like it's so much harder to, I think, write something like no, that. For sure,
1: Because you have much less space to move around in.
0: And it has to be fascinating enough that Coraline, at least at first, is just compelled by all the incredible toys in her toy box uh, and by uh-huh. the dogs watching a, a show. Yeah. Um, And all the food that she can eat that isn't uh, Mm -hmm. made by her dad who puts in ingredients that she doesn't like or made from frozen. Um, And you know, it it does entrance her for a little while, but Mm -hmm. not for long because she's very smart and she's very brave, which is a concept that comes up again and again throughout this book. And I think, Children, when reading this book, and I, when I read this book, did not see it as any kind of you know, smarmy. You should listen to your parents and like oh, respect yeah, and appreciate no, not them. At all.
1: They're lame. Coraline saves their butts. <laughs> <She does.
0: laughs> so I think that the real message of this book is set out perfectly in the epigraph, which is a quote from G.K. Chesterton. Fairy tales are more than true, not because they tell us that dragons exist, but because they tell us that dragons can be beaten. Mm -hmm. So important to have a dragon (laughs) mentioned. We haven't done our "Are there dragons?" (laughs) segment in quite a while because we haven't had. There could have been
1: a dragon in in our toy box.
0: Yeah, that toy box sounded really cool. You can find a dragon
1: anywhere you look for (laughs) people.
0: Um, But yeah, the the message is right there. It's not about the fact that, oh, there is magic or like this could happen. It's you could handle something so much larger than yourself, an Mm. impossible feeling, even though you don't think that that's actually feasible. Um, But you have to put yourself into an outsized situation like that in order to see what you're really capable of. And that's what I think the book is really about. Mm -hmm. It's about telling Coraline and children everywhere they can take on demons no matter the strength or the size, and they don't actually need their parents mm-hmm. to help them. And sometimes the parents are the demons, um, but the children can prevail. Right. And grow stronger from it and not be ruined by it.
1: Yeah. And that—that that obviously we're not saying like parents are terrible. We're no, just saying of like, course not. Yeah, no. The message there is just like that children can overcome anything and which is i mean even just relating to us that's why i was Mm -hmm. i was getting far away gazy because i was just thinking of like us as little kids just like bopping around doing our stuff and like now we're adults and grace owns her own tech business and i'm an attorney and it's just kind of like i can't even imagine if like you went and told us that Mm -hmm. as little kids like what we were gonna be yeah like who what we're gonna be able to do absolutely so it's Yeah.
0: And reading, yeah, reading something like this when you're young informs all that, even Mm -hmm. if it's not possible to parse out all those threads and exactly how they travel back to Mm -hmm. what book you might have read at what age. I think stuff like that is like this is really, really important. Mm -hmm. And in in that same interview with Neil Gaiman, he said. Neil
1: Gaiman is like. So cool! I have like his
0: Twitter presence is amazing. (laughs) If any of you are on Twitter, please follow him. He's incredible. I've
1: been reading piecemeal as I buy very slowly all the um, graphic novels. I've been reading Sandman. Reading Sandman. Yeah, he's incredible. He's really, really amazing. He
0: has such an encyclopedic knowledge of mythology. Yes, not just from any one religion or you know country or area of the world
1: like it's really all encompassing mm-hmm. and he he uses that to inform his fantasy which exactly is so but makes it But sonic. he doesn't
0: just copy paste right. um mm-hmm. he really creates his own um, heroes and monsters. I just, I just put American Gods on hold at the, also at the Seattle Public Library. <laughs> and I'm really excited to read that because yeah. I've watched the show a bit and stopped it because I was like, I, I have to read this oh, book yeah. before I go any further. And it's really Thank fascinating. You. I keep
1: thinking like, oh, I really need to put that on my to do list, and then keep forgetting to do that. So maybe this time I actually will.
0: Yeah. Um, and I mean, the monster in this book, the the Bell Dam,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, is. Very, very frightening. Mm-hmm. Um, unique in some ways, but at the same time, playing off of these long-held um, fears of both children and adults mm-hmm. um, in a way that it becomes all the more powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I It was interesting reading about where people think the word Beldam might have come from because mm. it seems it has been used in much older literature, um, oh, just to mean kind of witch or something okay. along those lines. And there's a Keats poem called, "La uh, that's about French, French, a, a siren like figure that lures a knight to follow her. And then he, she kind of disappears and he's left destitute and wandering the earth, trying to recover her, um, mm. that some people have alluded to and been I like, kind of maybe that's where it's from. Okay. But, um, whether you're viewing her as a child or as an adult, Mm -hmm. I think for adults it's more frightening because they recognize that there are people that are similar to this Mm -hmm. monster. Whereas for children, it does feel more like fantasy and it feels like, okay, this is a creature that you must defeat, like a clear line between this is someone who's evil and you Mm can, you know, even though she's treacly and trying to hide her evil side like it will come mm-hmm. out you will yeah. figure it out um, whereas in real life there are lots of adults like that that manage to hide it really well
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah and neil gaiman said in that same interview that adults completely love it and they tell me it gave them nightmares mm-hmm. they found it really scary and disturbing but they and they're not sure it's a good book for kids but they loved it Reading audience number two are kids who read it as an adventure and they love it. They don't get nightmares and they don't find it scary. (laughs) I think part of it is that kids don't realize how much trouble Coraline is in. She is in big trouble and adults read and think, I know how much trouble you're in. (laughs) Uh,
1: Versus kids are just like, yeah, let's go. Fight fight the
0: evil. (laughs) Yeah, and Coraline, she does a really incredible, impressive job, especially when you think about the clues that we get about who the other kids are that have been, um, basically eaten up by mm. the bell dam. Um, one of them, it seems like is a fairy. She has wings. And in that dream sequence, um, that Coraline has toward the end of the book after she's saved them and they're mm. all out, you know, on the, out having a picnic together in the meadow. Um, they are, two of them I think are in like fancy dress and they're clearly at one point were like, well to do children. And I think one is some kind of fairy creature and yeah. the other is a more like regular girl. I think they just, it just says she has a sack on the <laughs> sack like dress or something. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, but we spend enough time with Coraline, I think to get an idea of why it is that she's the one who manages to defeat the other mother mm-hmm. um and she's really stubborn <laughs> for one thing yeah which serves her really well um she doesn't trust adults well,
1: <laughs> i think there's she, like a
0: healthy amount of skepticism yeah whenever she's with someone who should be an authority figure
1: and she knows when to push and when to just be like okay this is not productive like mm-hmm. when she talks to the police person Oh my god! When she
0: calls the police, yeah, Yeah. they're
1: just like, and she's like, okay, yeah, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Like she doesn't get mad and you know yell at them or anything. She's just like, okay, this is yeah, dead end.
0: (laughs) Yeah, she really, she really rarely goes to extremes of emotion. Mm -hmm. Whether it's. Anger or sadness or fear, um, all of which makes sense for the situation that she's in, mm-hmm. um, because she ultimately there is a time where she's trapped in the world behind the door um, and then more specifically trapped behind the mirror with the like withered souls of the other children who've been captured there. Yeah. Um, and she just keeps going mm-hmm. and she is so resolute. She does have one really helpful, special tool which is a stone with a hole in the center Mm -hmm. that she's given and told that it will help ward against evil, essentially. And she can look through that and figure out how to find the souls of the other children. But I think even if she didn't have that tool, she would have been able to come to some kind of solution. Yeah, I think so, too.
1: She's resourceful.
0: And it's important that Coraline is recognizable as a normal little kid um, so that she can be more inspiring to other normal little kids Mm -hmm. and I really really love the line at the very end I I already mentioned but I'll read it directly um when she is sleeping the night before school starts Mm -hmm. after she's completed her whole adventure normally on the night before the first day of term Coraline was apprehensive and nervous but she realized there was nothing left about school that could scare her anymore
1: I'm so jealous of her. I've, oh God, for years, I, I every single day, just driving into school, I was like, this is what death feels like.
0: I know. And <sighs> the level of, I mean, I would regularly have like super bad nausea and headaches. Um, like it really gripped me, the yeah. school anxiety from both a social and academic perspective. Mm. Um, yeah. But I'm grateful that I didn't have to go through a trauma like
1: Coraline's. Yeah, at least our parents my never fear. got stolen by a demon. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice.
0: And they were, they were you know, they paid attention to us.
1: Yeah, yeah. no, we definitely disgusted. didn't have the like, yeah, like, oh, stop talking to me. And also we never had someone cook us disgusting food.
0: So, we've touched a little bit on how amazing the writing is. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, I am on a mission to just read all of Neil Gaiman's work now. Mm-hmm. I've never been able to read Sandman just because I got like overwhelmed with how much of it there is.
1: Oh, well, um, I, I only own three volumes currently, so that's a lot less. Yeah, uh,
0: and I, I definitely want to continue with that but I I think what I love about his fantasy especially this book um is the way he makes it feel so much a part of our real world um Mm. and the fantasy elements that sneak into even Coraline's like normal world on the right side of the door um like Mm -hmm. something like the mouse circus is mentioned in the first like few pages
1: and that they play tiny instruments and
0: they play tiny instruments and the end of the book is like a full circle of her hearing the mouse circus and you know whether it's real or imagined it's so lovely and there's an incredible i'll put a few of the illustrations up um as well as we need to talk about the dreamy author's
1: photo oh my gosh oh my gosh i think the audio photo that's on the jacket is incredible he looks like a model, but like
0: a he looks Neil like,
1: Gaiman model. Yeah,
0: he looks like an actor playing Heathcliff in like a 1980s <laughs> production of Wuthering Heights. It's amazing. He looks, he looks like a less obnoxious
1: um Bob Dylan.
0: I love the illustration at the very end of the mice in their tuxes. I didn't see the pictures. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I keep forgetting. So I them. really
1: want to look at them. This is amazing. I want a poster of that.
0: And did you know that Neil Gaiman's website for young readers is the domain is mousecircus.com.
1: Oh
0: yeah. (laughs) makes me really happy. Okay. So the, I started talking about this because I was talking about fantasy elements in the real world. Um, Coraline communicating with the cat, even in not when she's speaking out loud to it in the other world, but just through like winks and the cat kind of following her around and stuff. Um, and the mice sending her a warning, um, They, what is it that they they say they say like a little song to her that's about her being in danger, and the tea leaves also communicate that her life is in peril. Um, So I really like the fantasy creeping through to these little foreboding signs. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, While we're talking about the illustrations. The book's layout has the premature illustration problem that we've discussed before. There are a few, like, especially as you're flipping through it now, I'm sure you've seen some of the really horrifying ones of Other Mother that come too early. So, you know, something awful is about to happen um, before it's actually played out on the page, Yeah, Yeah, which is unfortunate. Not cool. Not cool. And they're such good illustrations. And the Other Mother is terrifying. Yeah. really scary it reminds me of really uh, scary
1: stories to tell in the dark a little bit actually yeah definitely a similarly angular approach to faces yeah and just kind of like tortured posturing
0: let's talk a little bit about magic systems do our magic magic system segment something i picked up on is the importance of names and how the power of having your own name and label plays into you being able to retain your identity mm. in the other world. And mm-hmm. we've talked about um name-related magic um, in a few of our other episodes. I do think that's, you know, a common trope in fantasy. Um, but that's because it stems from these larger concerns about identity that have plagued <laughs> humans for all of their rational existence. Yep. Um, And I think especially as a child, when you're first starting to kind of process, okay, like I am this like thought filled being and I have the, the agency to dictate who I am and what I believe. Yeah. Um, And I think a lot of that is tied to, Coraline's experience in the other world, because there are a few times when people say they can't remember their names or they don't have them and they or they refuse to give them to her like the cat. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So it it comes from a variety of different characters, you Mm -hmm. know, good and neutral and evil and the way that they talk about their names. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. What we've already kind
1: of talked about animals animals in this book, just like animals <laughs> animals in this book, so I guess we don't need to. I just wanted to note that we were kind of segueing into that or had already covered it um because the animals in this book are really awesome the mice, the, the cat rats. The rats, the dogs, Mm
0: -hmm. Um, there are these packs of creatures like pretty much everywhere you turn. The wasps are actually really important. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to mention that while we were talking about Coraline, but it's uh, so fascinating to have this realistic discussion of bravery in the face of like helping a family member where it's not – what does her dad say? It, it's it's being brave when if you're, scared. you're already scared yeah. and you choose to do it anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. um, as opposed to having that blind. I'm just the best, and I don't care. I'm going to prevail. Like mm-hmm. obviously, no. You have you feel no real like negative consequence that could possibly yeah. come out of it. So you're not being courageous mm-hmm. you're not brave um, and that's really important for kids to realize as well and those yeah, moments of no, fear can be really delineation. Like productive mm-hmm. I don't know stress motivates me incredibly so oh, yeah and, for sure uh, I think fear kind of falls into the same category I
1: write very well when the deadline's in an hour yeah, exactly. mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> um, and I, I love her telling the story of her dad waiting with the wasp's nest um, so that she can be or I'm sorry hornets the hornets. Yeah. waiting by the hornet's nest so that she can escape and not get stung too many times while mm-hmm. he just lets them sting him over and over again and it's really I feel like both the way Coraline views rescuing her parents and the way her dad views rescuing her are moments of
1: just like a reflex mm. it's not like they're choosing to do that they have They're just like, okay, this is my next step here.
0: Yeah, she really, saving her parents, there are a few moments when she's sad, like when she's back in the real world alone and her parents are missing Mm -hmm. and she's eating garbage um, and just like trying to put and putting herself to bed and taking tepid baths. she does have a few moments where she cries, but there's so much more of her just being resigned to okay, this is what this has this to what happen now than yeah. her ever like second guessing herself. Yeah. Even in those really disturbing moments, like having to go up through the stage and put her hand through the mass of co- combined bodies that is the yeah. actresses mm-hmm. that part
1: really upset me. To
0: retrieve the marble soul, um, mm-hmm. or having to fight other father once he's become kind of a half formed person and it's just creeping out in the basement yeah (laughs) um i'm sorry what other were there any other animal thoughts that you wanted to touch on
1: there are those like messed up bat dogs Mm -hmm. like without faces that fly those freak me out too that's gross
0: yeah (laughs) and i we're we're really excited to rewatch the movie now because it's been a while for both of us. Yeah. But I went to this amazing exhibit at an art museum in Portland last year. Hmm. Um, and Laika Studios, the studio that did all the stop motion animation for Coraline, had a, an exhibit that was just about all of their movies. Oh. And they had all these... Um, props and puppets that they had made for Coraline there and they had do you remember the scene where her dad flies her up on a contraption and she looks down into the garden and it's it's just a replica of like her face but it's all really colorful Vaguely. and there's lights yeah. and flowers uh-huh. and um, like these beautiful birds and insects flying through yeah and they had that entire set wow. and it was filling a whole room and it was so cool oh my
1: gosh that sounds awesome yeah so
0: i don't know i think that was a temporary exhibit but if you're in portland okay. check it out yeah um i'm sorry i can't remember the name of the museum there was just the, the art museum that's downtown google portland Coraline. um but uh yeah the movie is so gorgeous i'm really interested to rewatch it because i think the story deviates because i remember a little boy character yeah, who helps her? Um, and I can already tell seems I'm like gonna be Wrigley or something. Wrenly. <laughs> I can already tell I'm gonna be irritated by that because she does this so alone yeah. in the book, and she saves herself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Well, I don't think he helps at all in the. I think she has to save him a lot in the movie. Okay. Yeah, I don't think that he's an asset at all. Okay. It seems like Wengly. Wong-
0: I just I like I like that this is a book about a girl. And yeah, a girl no, saving definitely not only herself but other children and her parents. Uh, and the the one other thing I wanted to mention while we were talking about identity um, and naming is that it's really interesting that other mother doesn't actually love. Coraline for who she is mm. um, she doesn't care about her personality she actually just wants her to be really docile um, and fit into the perfect daughter role and eat the breakfast she makes her and tell her she loves her yeah um, and other mother does love her but it's because she loves her as this possession that she's trying to put into her collection yeah not, not the real love that you have for someone when you know who they are and appreciate it um, so that was also YB. cool. His name was Wybie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So anyway, that was also cool. It's a lot more complex than the kinds of conversations that are being had in children's books, for sure. Um, yeah, you're right. And the ways that the characters are treating one another. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, if you haven't already been able to tell, even though we didn't address it specifically, I definitely think that adults should read this. Yeah, um, no, totally. And I'm so happy I reread it. Uh, I did also have a great. Just sort of memory of these early reader structured books where you have brief chapters um, with, you know, illustrations here and there. I think there's like 14 illustrations in the whole book. You so counted it's not, them? no, I saw that in, in one of the interviews with Neil Gaiman. Got it. Yeah. Um, and it was so like powerfully nostalgic to have that because i used to always read those like right before i would read a whole one right before bed or something like oh, that wow. um and it felt so good to be back in that set like okay a few pages and now something new nice, is happening yeah.
1: <laughs> lately most the stuff i read is like epic fantasy mm-hmm. so it's just like I mean, I love it. That's why I read it. But sometimes it can seem kind of overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So I, I really, really
0: liked revisiting that too. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me like, okay, I feel like I don't have time to read. If I just read a shorter, more manageable book, then I can still can totally get through a, whole book. a mind-blowing story like this one. And granted, it's not like there are a lot of books like this. Yeah, it's like, true, yeah. It's pretty special. Um, but you can still find time for something. Yeah. So... I think it's time for Pretend Food. Pretend Food. Pretend Food. Uh, For any new listeners, we love food, whether it be real or imaginary, and we love discussing the way it informs the various fantasy books that we read. So food is really interesting in this book. It plays a role in establishing parents as good or evil in a lot of ways oh, yeah, um, and it's such a comfort object for Coraline mm-hmm. like her she's always asking for food but I mean, then
1: she won't eat it if it's not and she doesn't what she like wants. it because
0: she's a picky eater which yeah. I want
1: you to talk a little
0: bit oh, about because I have no experience with that but you do You <laughs> can't be all perfect <laughs> like grace <laughs> no I just I mean I'm not saying it makes me inherently better than you no I but know but it's yeah. just a different I can't I I have always liked like all food so I can't imagine what it's Actually, like. Actually, yeah, to I be, have things
1: to say about this. Yeah.
0: So. Uh, well, okay, let's talk through the specific foods in the real world versus the other world. Mm-hmm. Um, so that we get the best direct comparison when Coraline is first given a chicken dinner by her other mother. Yeah. Um, and it's roast chicken, fried potatoes, and tiny green peas, and. The narrator says it was the best chicken that Corline had ever eaten. Her mother sometimes made chicken, but it was always out of packets or frozen and was very dry and it never tasted of anything. When Corline's father cooked chicken, he bought real chicken, but he did strange things to it, like stewing it in wine or stuffing it with prunes or baking it in pastry. And Corline would always refuse to touch it on <laughs> principle. <laughs> There are a few moments in the book when her dad is cooking. She's like, oh, what did you do to it? Like, did you do your things? Did you use recipes? But the
1: thing is, like, I understand why she's doing that because he's not doing the recipes well. Like, he's... Yeah. Like, it's... I think the last thing that he makes is, like, undercooked pizza, which is just terrible I love... I wrote
0: wrote that down, too. Even though it was homemade by her father. So the crust was alternately thick and doughy and raw or too thin and burnt. And even though he had put slices of green pepper on it, along with little meatballs and, of all things, pineapple chunks. So
1: Coraline votes no on the pineapple, no pineapple.
0: Coraline ate the entire slice she had been given. Well, she ate everything except the pineapple chunks. That's the passage. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so clearly he's not a good cook, and also he's trying to be experimental, but Mm. he's not doing it the right way. And as a home cook, someone who cares a lot about trying to cook... I totally get that because
1: sometimes you make missteps. And, if Grace, I've never had anything in your house that was gross. Well, because I didn't serve it to you. Yeah, but we've <laughs> always, like, you make dinner and then we eat it. I don't see you, like, just toss some out the window and pull something out. You of don't, don't know about
0: the cabinet of ruins. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's just rotting piles of food.
0: Um, no, but you have to, like, do, you know, you have times where you're trying out something new. And it might not, it might not work the right way. Um, but, yeah, I mean then she goes to eat food by other mother and it's really good and it perfectly fits her taste and she has but it's too perfect like a beautiful breakfast that's a cheese omelet and bacon and fresh squeezed orange juice and hot chocolate that she refuses to drink cuz she's too creeped out by that point um so i i can I guess I can imagine the appeal of that, mm, and yeah. other mother recognizes early on that food is a way that she can get Coraline to at the very least hang out, yeah, even if she's not pledging her love to her yeah, in any way mm-hmm. um so as a picky eater, how did you feel reading these uh food pastures
1: so i I think that I've just oh, a former like, picky eater, I should yeah, say. yeah, well.
0: Except for your food restrictions
1: now. Places they make me sick. I like them. Um, Yeah, I had so when I was, I've had this kind of uh, fluctuation of like young, really picky. Then in my early twenties, I kind of just exploded into food and was eating everything, and it was so wonderful. And then all of my. Genetic or just, I don't even know. I just have a lot of problems with certain foods that they just, like, tear my insides up so I can't eat them.
0: Well, and to provide a little background, our family, our, our mom's side does have a list of, like, specifically vegetables yes. that cause really, really strong Negative reaction. Yeah, and a lot it's of weird. Times I, I haven't really it's just pain. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it just
1: hurts incredibly. Like
0: it. And having grown up, like watching that happen to you, mm-hmm. even though I haven't had that experience specifically, no. I, c- I can recognize how awful it is.
1: Yeah, it's just frustrating. There's something as
0: simple as a mushroom.
1: Yeah, no, I can't. Mushrooms will just, ugh, ugh. like yeah. Anyways, um, when I was young, I've also always had a lot of problems with nausea. Um, and it's not like a gag reflex thing at all. Like it's just, I, uh, s- especially nowadays, I have a lot of nausea, um, but I don't associate
0: 2018. <laughs> I have a Year lot of nausea. of nausea.
1: No, I, like a few years back I Googled it. Like, why am I nauseous every morning? And one of the like, <laughs> Things that cause nausea, being female. I was like, "Well, (laughs) being a woman, (laughs) okay." Just the burden of the feminine
0: experience. (laughs) Yeah, Um,
1: but I think when I was little, I associated the nausea with food. So if I, I think that all it really took were for me to have a nauseous day and then like be forced to eat something, and not like pinned down and have it shoved down my throat, but rather an annoyed adult being like just eat the food it's for dinner and then I would associate it with the nausea yeah and then I couldn't eat it anymore
0: yeah I I get that and then I and then
1: I also just had stuff where I was a little kid and I'm like me it's gross you (laughs) know it's like
0: the first time you get too drunk and then watermelon vodka is something that you can never consume again not that I
1: miss it (laughs) yeah that doesn't (laughs) seem like too much of uh
0: no, just that really specific um a taste of something being tied to it. Oh, no, a, totally. an illness.
1: Yeah. I think I think that's why a lot of people can't drink vodka is because they drank too much of it in college and now oh, they're Oh, like,
0: I thought I always thought it was just kind of people didn't like it because it's it doesn't taste like anything. Um so if other mother appeared and offered you whatever food always felt good to you and you always liked to eat when you were a child, what would that be? Candy? <laughs>
1: <laughs> an entire package of hot dogs cold. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> i forgot hot dogs we're having hot dogs for dinner tonight oh jelly maybe i'll pick some up
0: on the way home yeah hot dogs um slices of cheese yeah uh, and when i say cheese i mean like really
1: like those kind that are sliced in the package yeah non-cheese yeah not <laughs> cheese like all. food product flavored food um
0: i mean would you stay in the world with the creepy world with her and give over your soul
1: I don't, I don't know. It's really difficult to imagine myself in Caroline's place because I wasn't an only child and I always had you guys. And I yeah. feel like the three of us together definitely wouldn't have got snared.
0: No. And so. also we spent our childhoods like basically preparing preparing for an event like this. Right. Like we were always playing these really complex imagine world game, imagined world
1: games. Um, and since we were raised on fantasy, that we always, we had that structure of like, we're going to go on a journey. We're yeah. preparing for the journey. Yeah, the journey totally. will have a monster. We must defeat the monster. Well, we
0: would literally have one of us play all the, you know, NPCs mm-hmm. and then like pop up and sometimes they'd be like a good guy who was going to help us but sometimes they'd be someone sinister who was trying to hide their true intentions yeah. so I feel like we
1: were <laughs> with, totally with set up. Patrick's they would be like <laughs> all of more the, those things and <laughs> that yeah I'd...
0: or just babbling incoherently yeah, just more often telling, yeah. <laughs> nonsense. Yeah it was always a different experience based on who was writing the story yeah. that day. <laughs> Ah, Or maybe you would just eat what Coraline ate while her parents were missing, which was bread with jam and peanut butter, gross bread from the back of the freezer, Mm. um, frozen pizza, a block of cooking chocolate and an apple, (laughs) canned spaghetti, and then digestive biscuits, limeade, and weak tea from her neighbors.
1: Canned spaghetti.
0: Yum. Mm. I mean, you loved
1: SpaghettiOs. Yeah, but like canned... The mushiness is okay if they're like little tiny pieces of pasta, but imagine if it were like long. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. it be like, really gross. Ugh. Oh, I had a full body shiver. Now we're both nauseous. Now we're both. <laughs> yeah, the nausea <laughs> is real.
0: <laughs> Dragon babies. Everyone's <laughs> nauseous all the time. So before we finish, um, do do badass lady meter oh yeah for every reason we discussed Coraline is a badass lady even though she's a little lady badass little lady meter badass little lady. Or maybe we should swap out badass for a more g-rated word maybe a cool cool little cool kid <laughs> meter Cool little <laughs> lady meter <laughs> I had that like ridiculous sticker that was all sparkly and said one cool kid that I had on the back of my little mermaid wallet when I was oh, young man. yeah I remember it <laughs> I loved it so much I wish I had a million of those stickers and I could give them all the we'll just go get you some shots at the all pediatrician the cool and we my... <laughs> yeah, <just> yeah. <laughs> um, as we've said she's resourceful she is incredibly brave but also just follows through On Mm -hmm. what she needs to do. And it's real cool that after she finishes her main quest, she realizes there's a loose end she needs to tie up.
1: Yeah, I liked that structure a lot.
0: And even though by that point, it's even more frightening because she's truly seen what other mother, what the Beldam is capable of. Mm -hmm. Um, And she still thinks it through, sets it up, is careful about it, and she gets rid of that nasty hand. Yep. And that door is going to stay closed because the hand takes the key with it. Forever. Um, so my rating for Coraline is 100 dogs to watch her next show and take the gross chocolates out of her box.
1: <laughs> my rating is also animal-themed. It's a mouse circus's worth of bravery. <laughs> You always do. I can't not like. I don't think my brain is capable of structuring it in any other way. It's not by choice.
0: <laughs> I love the mouse circus. Yeah, it's so cute, Mister Bobo. Mister <laughs> Bobo. <laughs> that's that's what I wanted to say during the naming segment. That when she does finally pay attention to his name, she's like. I wish I had known earlier because I'd say Mr. Bobo every chance. I yeah, got. Mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah, it's it's a it's a wonderful name. So I think that's everything. Um, there are other badass ladies in the book, and the other mother is a badass lady in her own way. She's a very interesting villain, mm-hmm. um, and the actresses are also pretty cool. I like that they're still living out their glory days and living together as, you know, best friends or maybe something more, I don't know. Gal pals.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it seems platonic.
0: Yeah, it does seem platonic. But I I read an article recently that was about how long the tabloid media has labeled um, famous women who are clearly dating one another as gal pals. So it'll say something like, gal pals step out and it, it, like after cozy dinner and it's just pictures of them like making out with each other <laughs> gal pals they can't, they can't acknowledge anything other than a heteronormative relationship so it's always like yeah oh, they just they love holding hands and they're very close you know they're snuggling on the car seat they go on vacations just the two of them but yeah just <laughs> friends really good friends um anyway that's it that's all uh thank you for listening uh let us know if you would be interested in us doing um a movie rewatch episode
1: i really want to um
0: yeah we are gonna watch the movie anyway so so do you want us to talk about it to talk about it too (laughs) um just let us know Um, As always, you can get in touch with us at dragonbabiespodcast at gmail.com, on our Instagram, dragonbabiespodcast, on our Twitter at dragonbabiespod, or on our website, dragonbabiespodcast.com. Or you can send us a magical pigeon with a present tied to its foot, and we may receive it depending on how magical the pigeon is. (laughs)
1: Needs a lot of magic. <laughs> a lot of
0: magic. <laughs> because I'm not telling you where to send the yeah, pigeons. Exactly. The pigeon yeah. needs to know on his own. Yeah. Um, and as always, we love hearing what you think. Um, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so we can keep reaching more people.
1: Yeah. I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. Until next time. Goodbye.